Good morning. Today's WGO podcast. A little bit of a discussion, <clears throat> and I realize that with uh, the intention of the podcast is to have regular, more frequent book reviews uh, for some of the books that I'm listening to, slash reading, whatever you want to call it. I, I like to clear, clarify and, and say listening to and bring that up on a regular basis because I don't think that most folks have tried that. And if you ever were a fan of anything like talk radio or listening to NPR or listening to C-SPAN, Washington Journal, you know, listening to somebody do a podcast while you're doing your things, you should really entertain Audible because it is a way for you to read all the books that you always want to get around to reading that if, if, if I'm being honest, I, it took me a long time to realize that sitting down reading is not a good form factor for me. It, the reading never gets done. You know, when you sit down and read, you can tend to fall asleep or have other things of that sort. So it's just not, it's just not as portable. It's better to listen. And I've been able for the last 10 years to really churn through hundreds and hundreds of books that, I've, that would have just sat on my shelf collecting dust the old way. And, you know, it would have created internal strife because I knew, I always knew I wanted to read more. Um, it was never the issue. The issue was I didn't realize that it's better to listen to the books. So, with that being said, um, I would encourage you to check it out. A lot of people think, oh, listening to books, that's not for me. <laughs> have you ever, Have you ever tried it? Have you ever tried to listen to, for example, this current book that I'm reading right now, or listening to right now, is this, uh, frankly, we did win the election book. And this is where my prep leaves much to be desired because I don't want to stop right now when I'm doing my walk and look up the, the author's name. And I should have that and the accurate title ready at a bare minimum to do a book review. Because, you know, what kind of shit is this? What are you, what are you trying to pull here, pal? But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. All right? This is a evolving work in progress. The podcast. It's not a... It's, it'll never be a fully polished good, I don't think, unless I can find a way to gather enough support uh, to do this full-time, which would be... You know, that would be ideal. It'd be ideal to do nothing but this. Oh, uh, hold on. I'll push pause and tie my shoe. Okay, I'm back. So, yeah, let's go ahead and look it up just to break the mold here. It is the book titled, Frankly, We Did Win This Election, the inside story of how, Don, how Trump lost by Michael C. Bender. senior White House reporter for the Wall Street Journal. So not exactly a lightweight, okay? And I knew he was a journalist for the newspaper. I just didn't remember exactly which one. So Michael C. Bender, senior White House correspondent, so very much an insider with the Wall Street Journal, which is not exactly a leftist publication, right? So he writes this book. Frankly, we did win the election. And... You, you know, I've noticed a lot about the American people over the years. 
noticed a lot. I noticed a lot because I've no, I've done it myself. You just you get dug into. Again, I, I think it's the Dunning Kruger effect. You just think you know more than than you know, and you become unwilling because of either ego or laziness or whatever, fear, psychological whatevers, habits of information that you get. You you really don't realize what you don't know, and, and you, you don't know the story, but you, you're quickly to attack those and spit out talking points and debate people on stuff you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I've done it for years. Um, okay, so the way I look at kind of my own journey, this is why I feel like I have something relevant to say about this book, is in my journey, when I was a youngster, I liked, oh, fuck, here comes the noisemakers. All right, you guys are going to have to deal with it because I can't avoid it. There's a million fucking sources of goddamn racket around here. Uh, fucking leaf blowers. Hold on. All right, I'm, pa- I'm past it as far as I can go because I don't have a lot of time. And I want to make sure we get the podcast in. So, okay, in my early... Uh, 20s, like really, like right around 20, 21 years old. I had the first of several jobs in my college years, you know, in in my 20s, where I was able to, where I just naturally gravitated towards things like talk radio and newspapers. And then over time, it became more NPR instead of talk radio. And, uh, you know, and then really that streak went up to like 2004. Um, so this went on for all of the 90s and, you know, for 15 years, culminated into like uh, C-SPAN Washington Journal because that was on 90.1 FM, I believe was the, uh, was the uh, frequency in the Washington, Baltimore area. So I could listen to, it might have been 90.5. Anyway, it was on the air. And so I started early in the 90s with talk radio. It was WSB and WGST in Atlanta, Georgia. And there was programs like Neil Bortz, and Ken Peterson was one of the personalities in the afternoon. Um, uh, Rush Limbaugh was just getting started. He had to run a lunch hour, or lunch three hours. Uh, and there were others. I had just, you know, actually Sean Hannity was getting started. And it's funny because I can remember not liking Rush and Hannity. They weren't my favorite. I preferred Neil because Neil was kind of funny, but he was racist and very controversial. He really had some racist shit that he'd put out in the morning, really. I mean, he was, at the time, he was making fun of, there was a gentleman by the name of Reverend Hosea Williams, who I think had gotten in trouble for drinking and driving in Atlanta. And I just vaguely can remember Bortz, who was a lawyer by training, just skewering this guy. And his general theme was, you know, these, these black motherfuckers deserve what they get kind of thing. You know, I had this kind of general, like, oh, look at these ass clowns. You know, and another thing he would do is, like, say, watch the Atlanta school board meetings and make fun of that whole thing, which is, to me, uh, mired in much larger problem that I have with failed state institutions and education in general. I just don't, I don't think the people doing the work are evil. I just think the whole institution is way, way fucking far behind, very irrelevant and just disgusting bureaucratic very high cost, trillion dollar boondoggle. Anyway, uh, 
So, but yeah, Neil Bortz, hey, for, you know, I was 20, right? I was 2021. 20, and I, I found him to be interesting. He had a way, he, well, he was, a, you know, a professional radio personality. He was, he'd been doing it for years. He worked at WGST for a while, and then he went to WSB. Um, when I left Atlanta, he was at WSB. Oh, hold on. Okay. So, here I gotta speed it up here a little bit. So, my point was I I liked the format of of listening to the news, and they would do news a lot. These were both news stations, so you get a lot of news too. And I was already a newspaper guy. You know, I already kind of knew that about myself somehow, even though I was a complete fucking clown. And lucky I don't have, like, four illegitimate children from that period of time in my life. And you know, I wasn't, definitely was not in what I would consider to be any kind of an awakened state. I was just a train wreck right, waiting to happen. Didn't have a strong work ethic. Kind of a clown. And just, you know, could have, in, in, in interacting with clowns who could have, you know, easily turned into something criminal or worse, you know. Like, I remember having a part-time job at a retail store, and people were stealing. And so, you know, here I was dropping fucking merch down the freaking thing, too. You know, like, doing just monkey see, monkey do bullshit. But that kind of shit can get you to big trouble. You know, I was lucky, right? But, despite my ass clownery, which was, you know, <laughs> I could make a rankings list somewhere, ass clownery, which, frankly, was rooted in, you know, you bust out of the coop. We all have less than perfect home uh, home lives growing up, right? Nothing. Nobody's got a perfect story. Everybody can make a case for having a weird childhood. Most everybody. So it's not like poor pity me or slamming my family bullshit. Isn't it? Don't, I'm not doing that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when I was 18, it was clear to me I couldn't wait to be out of the coop. And once I got out, you know, I was more or less just restless, not too bright, no money, and you know. No, not you know, not having that awareness of work ethic, just kind of this vague floating around, and, and you know you're just lucky that you know any if you're in a different neighborhood, different circumstances, different country. I mean, look up, look out, you know. And as I've gotten older, you know, part of my motivation for doing this podcast even is I've become more aware of things like what Joe Rogan says, uh, and I love him for this. He's like, your brain's not fully formed till you're like 25. And that's not to make excuses; it's just to be aware of the fact that like partying and making big life choices and signing up for debt and stuff like that. You're just a baby. You're not really mentally there um, at all. <laughs> you're just, it's just the facts, you know, it's kind of the brain facts. So, you know, lucky to survive those years. And But some, something inside of me already, despite being a complete loser, I liked learning. And I started to realize that about myself. And once I started down that path, it never ended. Like I, and it started luckily young for me. Like it did start with talk radio and newspapers, and I say newspapers plural because I, I did. I liked more than one, and maybe because my dad had them around the house growing up, or you know, I know I noticed they, a lot of them weren't read necessarily because you know time and working all the time and whatever. But we had the Baltimore Sun when we lived in Baltimore, the Washington Post, and both of those were in the house. So maybe that's where the multiple newspaper idea came from for me. I don't know. But I know that back then, you know, they were cheap, right? You could buy a freaking Atlanta Journal-Constitution for a quarter or maybe 50 cents. And, you know, 
I, I can remember for years. This went on for years. It really didn't, the cycle didn't break till recently when I got smartphones maybe 12 years ago and gravitated slowly to reading it online. But, you know, even as recently as like five years ago, I was still taking more than one newspaper at my house, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, in my mailbox, you know, because I like to, to hold it in my hand and fold it and, you know, read it at that, you know, take it with you, stack, let it stack up. If it's a couple of days, fine. And you go through it, right? And uh, loved it. Loved it, loved it. Big, big part of my life. And to recenter the, the discussion, because I'm going to run out of time here today. I know that some of the views that I was defending as, as recent as like three years ago, politically, like I was registered Republican, and I would, you know, basically leftist this, leftist that, you know, liberals, crunchies, communistas, you know, stinky leftist. I mean, I still use some of this language sometimes now because I don't like the manipulations of the, of the left. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a leftist, but I'm not a rightist either. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I've become much more aware and much more serious. And I don't think like things like Donald Trump are funny anymore. That's not funny because the more I've learned... And the more I see the danger, and the more I see what he whipped up in this book that I'm talking about right now, shines a real light on that. It's like, you know, for, for one, I had no idea there were that many Trump rallies. I had no fucking clue. Like, I really wasn't. It's so funny what I do and don't pay attention to. I wasn't paying attention to politics. I don't really know what Barack Obama did for eight years. I really was, I was tuned out of that. I was kind of more on the economic side and the history side and technology side and stuff like that. Less so, I guess, in the meat and potatoes of politics. But, boy, I would certainly tell you all about politics. You know, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Because I, I thought I knew something. But I didn't. I didn't know anything. So, let me, let me express this really to, to you all and encourage you. Allow yourself the freedom to let go. You know, go there. Go into the books. Dig for yourself. Listen. And try to be emotionally de detached. Because it's not a matter of... It doesn't matter if you were right or wrong. You know, let yourself be wrong or right or whatever the case may be. A little bit of both. It's okay. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. This Trump book it really shows very starkly that there are real consequences when people dig into things they think they know and they participate in movements out of some vague frustration or vague anger or, and they're looking for a boogeyman. And then you get a charismatic guy like Donald Trump that comes in and plays the, all these negative cards. I mean, it was quite racist, some of the stuff. It really was. At the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a white supremacy movement, which is disturbing. And people are, have a hard time looking at it like that. But it is, though, when you feel it back and you get into it, there is some of that in the mix, for sure. So you have to be willing to be honest about what you see. Now, again, you don't have to... This is not... I, I, I hate this about the country. This is not a uh, uh, binary decision. In other words, if you say... If you start to reject some of what you thought you knew about your political positions, like say that you're a real big Trump supporter, okay, and then you start reading some of these books, like I have, and listening to stuff, and you're like, well, you know what, I can't get with that guy. I don't like that guy at all. And you can separate yourself from anything, any kind of policies, because a lot of people will say that, well, you did good for the country. Well, I'm not so sure about all that, but certainly some things, and some things probably needed to be said. We can't have 
unchecked, you know, failed states all around us that just people just pile into the country economically, there's consequences for that, including de depressed wages and labor conditions for, you know, the American people. You know, we can get into the work that no one wants to do. I, I, that's a favorite topic of mine, you know, but to just bury your head in the sand and then get angry and then be exploited by these, uh, you know, people like Donald Trump and the political machine, you know, you're not doing yourself the country any, any favors when you don't let yourself learn. So, uh, and this goes for the left too. The left to just blanketly, everybody clap, 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 clap. I remember when like Barack Obama got elected the first time, you know, I, again, I had, I wasn't an expert, but I had spent years in newspapers, listening to C-SPAN, um, NPR, and then all of a sudden I was in Vermont and, and, and that pattern of information was interrupted a little bit because they just didn't have the same times. They didn't have Washington Journal on the, on the radio. It was before me having a cell phone in my pocket. And I remember thinking, like, who the fuck is Barack Obama? Where the fuck did this guy come from? And, all, of course, all the leftists are like, ha, 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 ha. You know, they're all so excited about something I've never heard of before, which was weird to me. So, you know, to, I'm an equal opportunity offender is what I'm getting at. It's like, yeah, the Trump phenomena and Trump supporters that don't read the books by the insiders. There's a bunch of them, right? There's a bunch of these now. And this new one's a, a real good starting point. I mean, it's just as good of any, any starting point that I can think of. Like, you know, you might not be aware that there were this many rallies. You might not be aware that he was encouraging people to physically strike people that didn't agree with the party, you know, the, the party line and the campaign. You might be unaware that he said things like Hitler did a lot of good. And then it wasn't just a slip-up. He, like, really went into it for a minute and it had to be corrected by senior, you know, military staff and others around him that were like, oh, whoa, 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 you can't, you can't say that. You know, even if, even if you could look at something like the Autobahn or something like that, you still can't say that because it was such a genocidal train wreck, you know? And, you know, again, I'm an equal opportunity offender. You can't, you know, the leftists are quick to, that's all they talk about is the fucking Holocaust, you know, and shit like that. And, there, and there's other... Uh, obviously, a lot. There's there's so many tragedies that Germany just just was you know uh, is a, is a big one, but it ain't the only game in town, right? There's a lot more of these fucking awful goddamn things that happen. So I'm kind of sick of that whole bullshit too. Where you know it's like you know Germany was the only bad thing that ever happened. You know there's you know <laughs> people got to go there too. You know you got to be willing to go everywhere with all of this all the time because you can't just latch on to any one little narrative. There's always a little bit more to the story. But Trump supporters probably are unaware that he definitely, definitely uh, seems to be courting this neo-Nazi element. And I do think it's rooted in a little bit of, uh, you know, it's rooted in some controversial Jewish topics. I mean, like uh, protocols, of, uh, protocols of the elders of Zion type themes that never really left and, you know, people can get into that. Like, you have to be curious. So, like, why is it? Does it seem like you've got a lot of Federal Reserve chairmen and you've got a lot of investment banking and, you've, you know, obviously Hollywood and, and, you know, fields of science and stuff and engineering. You have these, this, this high percentage of Jewish representation at the highest levels of academia, science, um, and wealth, okay? But you can't make... Okay, so some of the 
controversial things that Donald Trump would get would wade into, I think are rooted with this older narrative of the Jews are trying to run everything or trying to control the world. And he is going to even be more prone to have such sentiments and make such weird comments and go to weird places that are, that are hard to talk about really because of being from New York city, because that's where the nexus of a lot of this stuff, you know, is it is just magnified. Um, you know, is there a story that people are afraid of? Like there's this, the nature of capitalism and that once somebody amasses enough capital, they're able to buy up all the good stuff or, or game or get a leg up economically and, and, and leverage that indefinitely. If they're, you know, is that a controversial thing to explore? You betcha. Should humans probably explore that more and be okay and, and, and let it lead wherever it needs to lead without being vindictive and without getting genocidal and homicidal and stuff? Absolutely. You know, I am the first to be able to controversially say that I think economics is always the main thing and the money because the power and all the other stuff that comes with that is always the main story and that people can hide behind trying to say it was a racist this or this, that, and the other, but at the end of the day, it's about power and money. It's not racist and in, 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 uh, ego. It's money. And But Donald Trump supporters probably are unaware of how much he's courted with that element and unaware that he said things like that, like that Hitler did good things. And I'm sure some people are going to make comments or be offended with some of the things I just said on this podcast. But again, we can't, if we're going to try to fix humanity and get humanity to a better place before we just completely fucking implode and eat ourselves alive, you have to go wherever you need to go to understand economics and money and power. And if that leads you down some uncomfortable areas because of all the propaganda and bullshit movies you've seen, and frankly, the bloody ass history of humans, if that leads you to some scary places, oh well. <laughs> oh well. You know, if capitalism has had a 500 year run, and if certain folks were able, certain groups, certain tribes, certain whatevers, okay, let's keep it vague. Okay, it doesn't matter because you, you could slap a, uh, a you know a, a label of Jewish or a label of white or black or Ch- Asian or Chinese, whatever, Japanese. You could slap labels on stuff, but at the end of the day, it's if you have within society a thing like capitalism bubbling up, where people can accumulate capital in the form of money or factories or technology or patents or whatever knowledge. And they can hold on and, and use that as leverage to get into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and just stay at the event horizon. And if you couple that with some of the histories, like in Europe, for example, if, 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 if one tribe was forbidden from certain lines of work and therefore by default ended up in other lines of work, if that's part of a narrative, and that's not going to be the only narrative, okay? This is a scary, dark, very cloudy area to get into, like hit what really happens in the world. I do think there's probably a reality, though, somewhere. I just think it's just shrouded in frickin' bullshit and mystery for reasons. It protects the people today, you know, protects people in this day. Because if all, the, if all of us crazy-ass monkeys on this rock knew the reality of things all the time, then we wouldn't put up with this bullshit. We wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as easy to mislead us and get us to do awful things to each other. But if, 
in a, if capitalism emerged within a context of uh, certain people, certain er- groups were excluded from things, therefore they were in uh, fields like money lending that then could be amplified over time as things could get bought up in game. Then you could understand, oh, here's one of these loud-ass cars. I went to some trouble to make it sound like that, too. Jesus. All right, um, got to wrap it up. Frankly, we did to win this election. You need to check it out. You need to start learning. You need to come off what you think you know. You need to allow yourself the freedom to learn. And don't be afraid. Like, you know, I just laid out some pretty controversial shit right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish those thoughts. We're going to get into it. This is not an anti-Semitic rant. No. You're allowed to talk about different things. It is interesting that there's a cultural uh, uh, component to why you see this uh, high percentage of people at these highest levels that, that claim a Jewish background. It's not that they're better. It's not that they're the chosen fucking people. That's nonsense. It might be that there were some cultural factors that uniquely positioned in, a, in an era of capitalism the last 500 years for people to really do well in those areas. People say this because the people of the book. Well, everybody's a people of the book now. Don't give me that shit. I'm not putting up with that. I'm putting up with any of that. All right, take it easy. I got to go back to work. Later. <laughs>